Legacy. Somewhere in the north of India, there's a, a house in the foothills of the Himalayas, a region known as Ladakh, part of the state of Kashmir. I don't know who lives in that tiny space now, but 15 years ago, she was there. This tiny, ancient woman who would wake well before dawn to work her butter churn, itself likely older than she was. It was a tight, dense space in which we were welcomed, warm against the icy mountain air. She spoke no English. We spoke no Ladakhi or Hindi or Urdu. But she communicated clearly enough, forcefully bidding us to sit on low cushions and to stay quiet while she prepared our breakfast, to stay seated while she served it, to finish it all and the extra servings besides, the yogurt, the inevitable yak butter chai, the hot bread slathered in more butter. From what I knew, she had no family living with her. Her sons, themselves grandfathers, were in the hills somewhere. I don't know what else she did with her days, but she served the hell out of breakfast, slamming down plates of bread and slapping our hands if we ate anything out of order. I can't believe that she's still alive now. We spent just the one morning with her, our little group, after we were told by a local that we had been invited. Even that invitation is wrong. We were told to come. The pleasure, the satisfaction she took in serving us and seeing these big white guys who could barely fit beneath her ceiling smile and eat. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's gone by now. If I ever learned her name, I don't remember it now. To her, I was a brief face, just another faddish pilgrim to Buddhism passing through. But I remember her and the small, beautiful space she inhabited. Everything unbearably old, but impeccably clean, warm, heavy. The air thick with spice and oils and sweat. Her dominion was complete here. Well, one of the lasting legacies of that trip, I believe now, is a lactose intolerance I developed soon after consuming weeks of yak milk. I'm certain we thanked her, but we never saw her again, never passed through that particular village. How many strangers had she fed? How many memories does she inhabit? I like this... This idea of feeding, though, at least metaphorically, for a beginning. There is no leaving of something to a future, no mark that is made, and unless both are hungry, the artist must have a hunger for the creative act, and it must be received by one also hungry for the experience of it. Originally, the legate was a delegate from the Pope who had a, a mission or a charge a duty to deliver words. Earlier still, the roots of the word, legar, involved a gathering, a collecting, probably of words as well. What language are we hungry for? And, oh, Callie, need a legacy be as enduring a message as a Mona Lisa? Or is it sufficient to have churned decades of butter in Ladakh? following some ancient code. 
creation does come from the past, doesn't it? I need not seek originality as a singular and separate achievement. Every poet and writer who has ever called themselves to create has also called upon the past. Homer, Milton, Dante. Their greatest stories were all ones well known. They simply were intimidated by the vast wall of history which loomed over them. We gather the words, feed them to the hungry, by assembling them in the most enduring of architectures, the most resistant of forms. Sure, I I could have brought a pat of processed blue bonnet or land of lakes from the airport for my breakfast. Or I could have learned from this woman in the dock the old ways. What forearms she must have had to churn with an ancient plunger. With humility but absolute authority to gather the milk grind the meal, scour the floors, collect the words, build the story, form the bust which will outlive me. Okay. Perhaps I'm wrong to doubt, but but I also remember the story. I may step into the role, become some kind of legate, but I remember that the muses weren't the only creatures who sang. Oh, Callie, are you muse or siren? Siren.